Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always by the Jet to my spike. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing really good. I'm feeling uh, gruff and uh, like I drive a space tow truck. Well, and you're making bell peppers and beef with no beef. And it can't be bell peppers and beef if our, there's no beef. Our very own Ein. That's right. It's our dog. Eric Ronnebeck, how you doing, my oh, dog? Doing great. Just uh, caught up on some news. Ready for what, this? Podcast. What news did you catch up on? Uh, all sorts of speculation. What's the word on the street, Eric? You're a man on the ground. You... Man on the ground. Uh, okay. Well, this I mean, there's more about the air. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much more out there. Uh, I've just, you know, more or less, I was catching up on the dragon season. We'll just end it. There. Oh, okay. So you've been watching XFL. Let's just start, let's just get that out of the way, Eric. Thank you. XFL football. The quarterback play is horrible. It's 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 distractingly bad. Yeah, and that's kind of what we. I don't know if it's our biggest fear about the XFL, but. It was a very likely outcome. If you watch the, I'm going to always butcher it, the AAL, the AAFL from last summer. AAFL is correct. Yes, thank you. I, I thought this was slightly better. I was wrong. It's no, it's it same. started slightly better, but now it's becoming, I'd say every other facet, like the running, the blocking, the uh, maybe the overall defense the is a little better. The production value is the big The production thing. value is where they score biggest, but... I don't know right now. They just got to hang on to that off season where they can try can try and fix the problem. All right, it's so, hard to watch. So uh, we we watched a lot of combine, a lot of guys running in straight lines. Um, they put it in prime time this year, which I thought was very fun. Uh, it, was, it was apparently players and agents are pissed though because that had them like running uh, shuttle drills at like ten thirty. Yeah, it was terrible for the players. It was it was completely selfish. But since when did anyone care about the well being of college football players? I mean it does provide like some context where if this year's number testing numbers seem worse than usual, then that might be why a lot of I would say a lot less people did stuff than usual too. There was far fewer guys running and jumping than than I <laughs> normally would expect. Yeah, there's definitely um, there's a lot of more piecemealing of drills too, like guys who would come in they're like, okay, I'm doing the forty and that's it, or I'm specifically yeah. not doing the forty. Mackay Becton's like, I'm doing the bench press and the forty, that's it. I'm not doing any of the quickness drills. It's and like, one wow. out of two ain't bad. It's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, that forty was fast for how big he is. The, the well, and his his reps were good for having arms as long as Earth. Yeah, but that's one of those things where the bench press numbers are never going to look good when you have thirty six inch arms, right? Or when you do like the same the same number of benches as like I don't know some of the running backs and stuff. It's like you realize average for a left tackle uh, with like arms over thirty four is like twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah. yeah, it's just always kind of weird like that. But someone, uh, your your boy Matt Pert put up a twenty six with the uh, thirty six inch and five eighth inch arms. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, some that's a pretty effort right there. It's a it's about the only nice thing I'll say about him on this podcast. So so uh, let's let's get right to it. We uh, we watched the draft, and I I know other we watched po- the draft. Or sorry, not the breaking draft, news. The, the the combine. <laughs> oh, and I know other podcasts have done something similar to this this week so we're going to try to keep it relatively quick but we're going to kind of go over positions and say some guys we're not going to keep it quick we're going to do it better sure maybe i i don't know about that i'm not going to give myself that much credit i didn't really listen to the other podcasts i just looked at their show descriptions because i didn't i find that if i let listen to what someone else says it like pollutes my mind and then i don't know what are my ideas anymore 
So I so I wait till after we record to listen to other people's podcasts. That, that sounds like a premise for a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> I don't want to get incepted. He's somebody whose mind is polluted. They don't know which ideas are theirs anymore. Uh, so so anyway, uh, I know that other podcasts did like something, but we're going to talk about different positions and what the Seahawks kind of look for at those positions. Some guys we noticed and some drills that we personally like to like to look at as um, for those positions and. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the old wide receivers. I think wide receiver is a position that everyone thinks is exceptionally deep in this draft. That's because it is looks really really good on paper. Um, the Seahawks have few hard and fast rules when it comes to to uh, when it comes to guys at this position, but there are some things they're looking for. Okay, if they if they want you to play on the outside, you're running a four four five. You if you are if you play in the slot, you got to be even faster than that, right? You got to be Running a four a four four, um, if you want to play, you got to thirty five. You got to jump thirty five inches. That's a that's like a, a requirement for. Yep, this you got to have that one twenty inch, that ten foot broad. Yeah, a ten foot broad jump. They're looking for explosive numbers um, out of these athletes. They like athletes. they like guys that on the outside are six foot and above. Then on the inside, you gotta you gotta be like five five eleven, and um on the outside you gotta be big like two two oh five, or bigger. Um, and on the inside, closer to like, I don't know, what'd you say, Kevin, 188? 188, was that the you can, number? You could be lower, like... Uh, How much was Lockett? Lockett was like 176 or 78. Okay, so that, I mean, he, was, he was pretty small. They're a little less restrictive with guys they think are going to play. Though he was also lot. coming off an injury that didn't allow him to bulk up. And then, like, that uh, was a story at the time. And then the short shuttle and the three-cone drill, these are ones that they're more willing to seem to be more willing to bend the rules for, especially after what we saw with DK last year. But they still would like you to run them relatively fast, like a seven-second three-cone Um Something like that. Okay, so who are guys that popped out to you, Kevin, as potential Seahawks guys? And then uh, what when you watched the comp combine for the numbers? What do you got? So some guys that immediately popped out uh, that are actually in positions where theoretically they could be drafted. Uh, Jalen Rager ran a four four seven, but his vertical and broad were really really big time numbers. Yeah, forty two inches is a huge vertical and. I'll say this. I want. I knew I would mention what my favorite drills are. Forty-two inch vertical. Vertical leap for wide receivers is like my my jam. I I love guys who jump big verticals. You can it, almost count that as just extra height. It leads to like contested catch masters, which is when I watch tape. The thing that always sucks me in. <laughs> if a guy's good at contested catches, I I always am really into that. He also brought an eleven six, which is insane. Yep, that's so far. You're right, Kevin. Four four seven is on the slow side. His three cone kind of sucked, so they probably are hoping that they could. They would probably be hoping to pick him up, like with that third compensatory, or maybe trading back into the beginning of the third round, kind of thing. Yeah, I could see maybe that. One, maybe the end of the second round pick could be probably the earliest, and I'm not sure if he lasts that long. Uh, Denzel Mims is another guy who checked every athletic box that you're looking for. He six uh, three had over thirty three inch arms. Six four six, three eight forty six 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 three cone hail Satan. Wait, did I? That's <laughs> <laughs> the important numbers. Uh, yeah, but four three eight forty really fast. Uh, you know they like the four four five guys. Guy uh, pop, guy who popped out to me, six foot four inches, two hundred and thirty eight pounds, ran a four four two, which is an absurd number for someone of that size. Chase Claypool. So I really dug into some Chase Claypool tape this weekend, and I was like, I'm gonna figure out is this a guy that the Seahawks might go for? And boy, we're looking at someone who. Was saddled with some really bad quarterback play. I about to and say does not look like he runs a four four two when you watch the tape. Watching Chase Claypool reminds me of watching Donovan Peoples Jones, where the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, 
I'm not. I'm not sure if this guy's really good, but his quarterback sure sucks. Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> how much I would want to blame on the quarterback. And he did, in the open field when he got the ball, even he didn't look super fast or like he had pull away speed. And I don't know how much of that is he runs bad in pads or he doesn't. There's something going on, and he didn't run the shuttle or the three cone, which is worrying to me. It means maybe he thinks he's gonna bomb those tests, which would maybe knock him down a peg for me. So Chase Claypool kind of get, gets a. I'm very interested, and I'm curious to see what he does at his pro day. I'm curious to see how they think they could use him because he does. I want to see him run those drills. He does seem like the kind of guy who could be like a Eric Ebron type, right? Where he's kind of a tight end, but also kind of a wide receiver, and you don't really know exactly where he's going to be lining up. And he's a he's a threat to do something every time he's on the field. That's and that kind of guy, like a Marcus Colson. That guy would really work for the Seahawks, though, as currently constructed. A guy like that, yeah, like a big slot. Like a yes, exactly. You don't call him a big slot, Kevin. That's that's just rude. Well, I mean, you know what they say about those Catholic wide receivers when they get out of college. Okay, you ready for a player who surprisingly <laughs> checked a lot of athletic boxes? Are you gonna say Justin Jefferson? No, that wasn't that surprising. Oh, I, it was a little surprising to me on tape. I didn't know he was going to for sure. Yeah, I mean, he looks good, and I I highly doubt that he. We'd have to pick him probably at the end of round one to get him. Uh, it's a deep, it's a deep receiver draft, but he's probably one of the guys who goes. He's in that second cluster of receivers that Henry Ruggs is in between. Right. That that would be a guy that we would go for that we'd never get. Um, okay, Devin De- Devin Duvernay. He did yeah. He did every drill. His athletic profile looks really good. He ran the short shuttle in four two. He ran a four three nine forty. Jumped just over thirty five inches. He basically barely hit every check mark, and. I He's just, just 5'10". He doesn't have super long arms either. He led the nation in catches last year. You know Pete loves college producers. This is a guy at the end of the draft that this team will definitely be interested in picking up. It's not He's not going to to go early, even with the great testing results. There's no way he's going to pick him in round one, two, or three. It's just not the way his – when you watch his tape, it's just not the way you think he projects out. But as like a late round flyer and really just soliding up, because the thing about the Seahawks and their wide receiver position right now is it would be nice to have a luxury item like go get an AJ Green or get Henry Ruggs, you know, get one of these guys that could really make our wide receiver core the best in the league. But to be honest, we don't need someone that good. We just need a good number three. We just need like a competent guy because DK is developing into a top flight wide receiver and Tyler Lockett is a top, is a top 20 wide receiver guy. So we don't need to have like, great great guy and a guy like Duvernay who tests out really well produced in college and probably can come in and work with Russ on day one could be like a round four or round five flyer that the Seahawks take fits athletic profile could be really good for us I got another guy who's going to be kind of similar to that Um, one that didn't run at the combine to keep an eye on is Brian Edwards out of South Carolina his tape tells me he's going to be one of those guys at 6'3 but a guy who tested better than I anticipated was Tyree Cleveland out of Florida He's 6'2", had about 33-inch arms, ran a 4.46, almost went 40 inches on the vertical and 126 on the broad. Yeah. He checked the numbers that we're looking for. He didn't do the three-cone or the shuttle, but he's another guy whose athletic profile in the late round is the kind of guy that we take a flyer on typically. Right, and, the, the, um, and then Desmond Patton, Washington State, yep. uh, 6'3", 225, really big. He jumped 11 feet, which is a big broad jump. 36-inch vertical, 4.38 short shuttle. A little slow on the 40 so and the three cones, so they'll have to make exceptions there. But could be like a guy you see them pick up really late, seventh seventh round uh, kind of guy. So I, I don't know. There, there's It's a really interesting wide receiver draft because I think a guy like – let's take a – let's pick well, a random John example. Hightower like John Hightower out of Boise State. John Hightower. That's, a, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> He's a guy who – in a normal draft, would probably get picked easily on day two. He's around two or three Maybe guys. Maybe like an end of third round. But in this draft, 
he might go a lot later than that. And he's a guy who checks a lot of the same boxes, especially in the shuttle and the three cone. And you just you just think maybe this is a guy. They, it might be like last year where we take a couple shots like they did with Gary Jennings and DK. And then they they picked up the UDFA that everyone fell in love with. Uh, you mean uh, Ursua, who was the seventh round pick? Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm not even talking about Ursua. I'm talking about the, the Oh, you're talking about the... Uh, that everyone fell in love with. Um, the guy who has no route running skills. Yeah, his brother was a defensive end who got picked up out of Louisiana Tech. Yeah. I can't think of his name right now. I, everyone's going to hate us for forgetting this, but it's okay. Um, I can deal with it. So <laughs> the the thing for that is is that, that those guys, um, they, they you take like four shots like that, right? We picked four different receivers, and you just hope one of them can pan out and be productive. And last year, one of them did. And maybe they take a similar strategy this year where they trade back one of their second round picks and pick up a couple extra picks in the middle, draft two wide receivers kind of late that fit the athletic profile we're looking for and hope that that works out. I could totally see that being the the case this year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So like a third, maybe a fifth, and then a UDFA or like a priority UDFA or something. Okay, Eric. Yeah, Jazz Ferguson. Jazz Ferguson's correct. Um, And a a Seahawks legend, Jazz Ferguson. Okay, I want you to pick the next position that we do, uh, and we'll just go through this way. Oh, and I can can just go nuts? Oh, yeah. For donuts. Crazy. Don't pick pick quarterback because, um, honestly, the Seahawks are not drafting a quarterback unless (laughs) it's like in the last round as our backup. Uh, You know me. I'm I'm all about them cornerbacks, defensive backs. All right. So this is really easy. Corner, like nobody tested. Uh, uh, Much like blondes, the Seahawks have a type. Yes, I have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Got to have 32-inch arms. Uh, if, if you are not within a rounding error of 32 inches, like if you're not above 31 and a half inches where he can like, if he can't like squint and go, I think maybe it really is 32. They have no interest in you at yeah, all. You got to you gotta be six foot one. Uh, you could be under six foot one, but it's rare. It's You got to be like within a, like Kevin says, within a rounding error of six foot one. Yeah. Or like uh, you, you could be 5'11 with a big vert. But yeah, like, every, but like you have to hit though. every box big time. Like uh, uh, Shaq Griffin. 4 5 40, 35 inch vert. Um, looking for the fast short shuttle and three cone, like a seven on the three cone, a 4 4 on the short shuttle. And preferably under a 4 2 5, even, or as close to that as you can get. But like none of the corners tested. So it's like hard to say right now which Or guys like the high end ones did. Like the, Jeff Okuda did. But right. Oh yeah. We're but, never gonna get Jeff Okuda. Yeah. If they if the Seahawks get Jeff Okuda, start the party right now. Like that. Yeah, that's a big win. He's literally the best cornerback prospect in years. And did you see that that thing they showed where he did the um the feet thing where he was turning around and stuff? Oh my goodness. I yeah. was like, this looks like something you'd show like kids. That back to like, drill. This is how you do it perfectly. <laughs> like yeah. This is what it looks like when it's perfect. It, it looks like a, smooth. You know when you like you know like a video game's glitching and the player looks like he's walking on ice. <laughs> that, that's that's what it looked like he was doing. I was like, how does he move like that? It that's unrealistic. Uh Trevon Diggs has thirty two and three quarter inch arms, so that's a good Tick off the box for him. Yeah, and that that is uh that is our our current safety's cousin, and he, he's the perfect scheme fit. Uh, uh, did he, did he, he didn't run though? He did didn't he? run in at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, C.J. Henderson out of Florida is six one over thirty one and a half inch arms, but he tested so well, ran four three nine. Yeah, everyone. Thinks, he's not gonna last. Everyone thinks he's not gonna make it to us now. Yeah, twenty nine or twenty seven. Uh, Jalen Johnson, you could put those rumors to bed. Uh, Thirty one and three eighths inch arms, not happening. Throw him, throw him, throw him out. Throw him uh, out. Uh, Cameron Danzler, T Rex arms, thirty and five eighths, not happening. Not happening. Lamar Jackson, the guy everyone talks about, is getting. He did get the arm length and the height, but he ran pretty slow and didn't do the short subtle or the or the three cone. So uh, we'll have to see. You want to know my sneaky guy? Who? Uh, Jeff Gladney out of TCU. 
5'10", 31-7-8 inch arms, but a 37 and a half inch vertical and, and four four eight forty four four eight forty, which is pretty pretty much what what we're looking for there. Uh, he's a guy who's kind of fringy on the measurables, um, but could make sense. Uh, Bryce Hall needs to run something because Bryce Hall got hurt, which makes it hard to tell whether he is um, slow or just like looked hurt. Because if Bryce Hall can run it all, he is a really really good fit for what we like. Do you want us to go straight to safeties, Eric? Yeah, of course. Oh, no, uh, I, have two, I, I have a couple of really big corners I want to talk about. Oh, like, yeah, please do, guys. Go ahead. Uh, so, uh, uh, Michael Ojemudia mm-hmm. uh, out of Iowa. Iowa, yeah. 6'1", 32-inch arms, ran a 4.45, 36-inch vertical, 6'8", 7". He checked every box except height. He checked every box, and 6'1", is within the height parameter. I mean, he's six foot and a half. He got 6.005. That was his official height. So, is it... He's, oh, according to NFL.com's they rounded, combine website, they rounded, they rounded it up it to 6'1". And so I, I just 6'1 took is the line, but yes, on the actual like combine sheet, he got 6'005". Okay. Legereus <laughs> uh, Sneed out of Louisiana Tech. Okay. Uh, six foot, uh, 31 and 3 eighths on the arms, but really good 40 time. Uh, could be an interesting prospect. Uh, and then Kendall Vildor out of Georgia Southern. 5'10", 32-inch arms, 4'4", 4'40", 39.5 vertical. Check a lot of the boxes. Kendall Vildor is that, like, his height is, what, the Seahawks? It's it's a stretch even for Seahawks for for slot. He checks a lot of the other boxes, though. And he did did jump really high. Yeah. Almost 40 uh, inches. He had, like, the highest jump of any cornerback. Right. He had one of the highest, for sure. And yes, we're not including the guys that will never draft. Sorry, <laughs> we're not including Jeff Okuda and other guys that CX have no chance to get. All right, you ready? Yeah, for- there just weren't a lot of thirty-two inch arms guys. You want to go to safeties, Eric? Yeah. Hey, guess what? Only like four safeties did everything. I know. I know that uh, the DB selection on all in all in the combine was very low this year. Um. Okay. For cornerbacks, though, in general, the things I like to look at, I like um, vertical leap. I like short shuttle because. Those short shuttle speeds will really show you if a guy can get quick. And another thing is, is that the expectation for most coverage guys is not to cover for more than, you know, four seconds. So if, if he can do a really fast short shuttle and run really fast and change directions for four seconds, that's fine. Yeah. The other thing that you're looking for is probably, it is not a test number, but it's uh, the backpedal drills and some of the movement drills, like how smooth do they look? If a guy looks like he can flip his hips a little bit, that's a guy that we might go for a safety conversion on, for instance. So that's how you end up with a guy like Flowers. Um, okay, so um, defensive backs. Uh, Kyle safeties. Duggar out of Lenore Rhine. Yeah. Tested insane. Uh, 32-inch arms. 42, 49-40. 42-inch vert. 134 broad. Like, those are dumb. Didn't 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 do short shuttle or three cone. No. But, the, a lot of actually a lot of the safeties didn't do those drills this year. Which, no, they did not. Um, the only guy that hit um, there's not very many guys who hit every single number. Like some guys are too short. Some guys. Are too, I think J.R. Reed out of Georgia is a really interesting guy for yeah. our purposes. Uh, the, his vertical is a little light, 34, but the 40 is good, and he's going to be out. And be 130 there and, broad. That tells me he's got power in the legs. He's going to be there pretty deep in the in the draft. Um, I, that's the thing about the safety class is like the guys I really wanted to see didn't test. Uh, Jeremy Chin, uh, I know a guy that you like out of Southern Illinois. Like I wanted, yeah, I like Jeremy Chin. He's a, lot. a really interesting guy, and he tested very, very. well. I wanted to see Ashton Davis and Grand Delpit how they do, but they didn't. Yeah, that would have been really nice to see. Delpit's hurt, I think, and then Davis just didn't do it. 
Uh, Terrell Burgess came up way too short in the measurables, 29 and a half inch arms. That just like crosses him off the board for well, Seattle. If he's going to be a cornerback conversion, but he could play safety. Although he jumped only like 33 inches. So right. maybe not. Like his just athleticism numbers weren't what we needed them to be. Same with Geno Stone out of Iowa. He's a guy I thought might be interesting as a nickel corner concept, but he just didn't cut it. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., short, but his athletic numbers were pretty interesting. Um, he's a guy that I could see Seattle maybe taking a flyer on, but he might go too high. He ran fell off faster than I expected. Four, yeah, four five is a it was a he outstripped what I thought would go there. He was one of the the faster safeties that that ran. So the four four five for him is pretty good actually, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we you know took a, a late day two flyer on him or maybe early day three or just way down the line in his career we continue the tradition we sign him playing for a preseason cut him. We got to think for Antoine Whitfield. Just just like dear old dad. All right, Eric, where are we going next? We did the defensive backs. I kind of want to get this this position off the board because I'm hearing a lot about it. I don't want the Seahawks to go that way, but uh, there's a lot of buzz around it. Let's go linebackers. Um, Okay. Uh, This is a freaky linebacker group. That's... That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, I don't want to choose linebacker, but I know from other uh, from other Seahawk news, there's some linebacker buzz. I kind of uh, want to address it. That's Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. Uh, absolutely freak numbers, four four six forty. A lot of off-the-field questions. Um, I mean, we're not going to talk about Isaiah Simmons because I don't want to have to clean up the drool mess from Nate. He's so good, though. He's really he, good. He, okay, <laughs> Nate, do they? he's not even on the he's not even on the board because he's going to get picked like fifth. Yep, but. But that guy is the kind of guy who would completely unlock Pete Carroll's defense. Uh, just the ability to have a guy out there that can cover like that and also play linebacker. And, you know, he was a little over aggressive when he rushes, but still really good. So if you want a guy who offers uh, a decent enough amount of that upside, who's going to go way, way later, you'd be looking at uh, Davion Taylor out of Colorado and Kalik uh, Hudson out of Michigan are two really interesting guys especially Taylor because of his length, are uh, two really interesting guys who might go like mid-rounds who could be weak side linebackers. Who's the second guy you said, Kevin? Uh, Kalik Hudson out of Michigan. Okay. Uh, He played like a hybrid. He played the Jabril Peppers hybrid linebacker safety position at Michigan. He's going to be a linebacker in the NFL. The late guy I had highlighted is Cale Garrett from Missouri. He is slow in the 40, but... um, he ran a really good short shuttle in three cone, which makes me think he could cover, you know, quicker, quicker guys out the backfield. The um, if or, it, they're not going to pick a linebacker early, so we don't need to talk about like Patrick Queen or like Kenneth Murray or anything. Nope. That's not going to happen. Those guys do fit the fit the bill, though. Yep. Um, I think for linebackers, the Seahawks, what they really like, they like them um, to be pretty fast and pretty athletic. They're looking for a- a- athletes to play linebacker. They're not looking for the. Uh, you know, tackling machine, like sound tacklers. And even the guys like last year that they drafted, they both have had pretty athletic. I mean, other than height, there's like the athletic profile for um, Ben Burkirvin was really good. Yeah, Pete loves productivity, but it's one of those things where you have to have the right athletic pro- profile. And then like productivity is kind of his tiebreaker. Like Bobby Wagner had a crap load of tackles in college too. He just also had a really crazy 40 time that told you he had coverage skills. All right, Eric. Uh, I'm, we're getting in the trenches now. 
Yeah. Okay. Kevin, talk about this. Is where we have to talk about it. Turf explosion formula. This is um trench explosion. Trench formula. explosion formula. Sorry. This is something the Seahawks uh, use. It's um pretty well documented. But what is the trench explosion formula that they use for their line players? Okay. So you're basically talking about an ideal situation for a lineman. You want a bench at 27 reps, a vertical leap at 31 inches, and a 108 inch broad jump. And then you cube the number on the broad jump. So it's bench press divided by 27, vertical divided by 31, broad divided by 108 cubed. And you put all that together and you're trying to get a score of a 3.0. Like 3.0 is like the ideal athlete. And they use this for for tackles, interior offensive linemen, and DTs, right? They don't use it... for edge, they use it for edge players, but it's not. It doesn't seem to be as important. No, it's definitely it's much much more for offensive line. But then they flip it over to defensive tackles because they want a better athlete to tackle. Especially them. for one techs, like the the right the Puna Ford position. One techs and three techs that aren't aren't uh, wide fives. Like if you're a wide five three tech, you're kind of off that. Um, okay, so let's talk about offensive uh, really line. quickly. A wide five three tech is like uh, Mike Bennett. Um, yeah, the well, yeah, where he's like. Almost in the five tech position most of the time. Uh, okay, offensive tackles, Kevin. We what did you see? What did you see here? That I saw a lot of guys who kind of um, it's the Seahawks athletic profile they look for with the long arms and passing the trench explosion formula is is difficult. They're asking a lot of these guys. You tend uh, to stick closer to the 33 to 34 inch arms for that reason, which is fine. It's closer to like the 33 inch arms are more of a threshold than anything else. All right. So who are guys that got over a three? Okay. So Tristan Wirfs, who's going to go in the top 10 now. Yep. We're not uh, getting it. Let's see. Sad uh, times. Jedrick Willis didn't test uh, bench, but if he did, then he would easily clear that number. We're not going to get him either. Um. Makai Becton only tested bench, so can't really say. It, I would say I would be surprised if he ran a short shuttle fast enough to pass, though. I would tend to agree. After 22, 22 but benches. short shuttle is not what... 22 benches is kind of... It's bench vert broad. Vert broad. Okay, so I, I don't think... Broad would be surprising to me, too. Although... That's I, a lot of weight to move. Yeah, because the heavier guys... Like, who... Like the like that's what I mean, that's what was a problem for Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas had a two seven nine. Um, that's because he's carrying three hundred fifteen pounds, but he's just a big guy in general. Yeah, and that's the twenty one bench reps. Twenty one bench on thirty six inch arms, right? Yeah. Um, so instead, you have like a guy like Josh Jones. Uh, Josh Jones had a two eight three six, which is a number that we've drafted in the past. Um, or Isaiah Wilson had a two nine nine five. What did Ezra Cleveland have? Ezra Cleveland. Had a three one six five. Yeah, that's nuts. And, and he, also his move numbers were stupid. Yeah, a four four six twenty yard shuttle. If, if his arms were thirty four inches, I would be like, we're definitely taking him at the end. Thirty three and three eighths is within the spectrum of what we've taken before. Yeah, it's it's a little shorter than I think they would prefer, but it's not like uh, it's not T Rex arms. Right. I think Isaiah Wilson profile is a way that we like. Yeah. Um. So Isaiah Wilson's the right tackle out of Georgia, six six three fifty. He looks a lot like DJ Fluker out there. He jumped nine foot two at three hundred and fifty pounds for yep. broad. That's nuts. Yep. That's uh, also at thirty five inch arms, he had twenty six reps on the bench. Like that's a lot of reps with really long arms. So that tells us that he has the power. His move numbers are a question mark. His three cone and shuttle were not great, but again, he's carrying three hundred fifty pounds. So yeah, the f- he's the only guy. 
that short shuttled over five that I think the Seahawks would even consider. Exactly. Like, because he did do other stuff pretty well. But five is pretty slow. Uh, Ezra Cleveland tested at numbers that we, lo- that we love as a team. Austin Jackson out of USC tested at numbers that we love as a team. Cle- Cleveland is really tall, too. Six foot six. Yep, six six. Uh, Austin Jackson, six six. Matt Pert out of uh, UConn is six seven. Uh, extremely long arms. He tested over a 3.0 on the trench explosion formula, which is really hard with that long of arms. Um, right. Now let's go to where I actually want to draft Kevin, unless you have a, one more guy you want to talk well, about. Well, I think Ezra Cleveland's going to be in the uh, like second or third round. Yeah, he's, he's like the guy that I think. I think Isaiah Wilson, Jack Driscoll is another guy who's interesting. Like some of these guys are going to fall. And so, because I think at this point, uh, Wirfs, Wills, Thomas, and Becton are all going to go in like the top 15 picks. I just don't. Okay, I after watching Becton, I just cannot, in the modern NFL where you want to throw a lot, it, that is a scary guy to be spending a really high draft pick Somebody's on. Somebody's going to do it. He's a he's a freak. But it's like if you if I had to grade his pass blocking, I would give him a, a NA. Like he I just I have no idea. Well, you he, heard about the weird thing about his college career, right? So he, the scheme that they had up until this last year, um, when they had their old offensive coordinator and everything in there, uh, you would switch between right tackle and left tackle, like depending on the set. So he was playing both right and left tackle, like switching off on a drive-for-drive basis. That's weird. Yep. So, like, he like, there's a lot of big questions you have about his development. So Josh Jones, Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland, and Austin Jackson are that next tier. And they could go anywhere from, like, late one through the entire second round. All right. Can we talk about my one true uh, offensive line love now? Okay. All right. Cesar, Cesar Ruiz. I center. I cannot express one how well he tested athletically. Thirty-three inch vertical, nine foot five inch broad jump, twenty-eight reps on the bench. Benched out, got out with a over thirty-three inch arms, which I think is a huge win for him. And he moves really well for an interior uh, guy. Uh, yeah, four six four short shuttle. This guy can do it all. I um I cannot express how much I would love to see him be the starting center next year for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, just, just a guy that I didn't really have, I had expectations. Like I'd taken him in one of the mock drafts we did a couple weeks ago. And I obviously thought, you know, this is a guy they could potentially look at, but now it is like a guy, he needs to be squarely in the targets of, uh, of, uh, it's like a, we trade out just out of the first round and pick him at the top of the second round kind of guy. Like that's like the perfect John Schneider move. And I'm so in for that. Uh, Kevin, what do you what do you think? Am I too going too far, or is that is that fair? Uh, I, I mean, there's a couple centers that are actually ranked ahead of him by a lot of draft boards. If we got him with that with our first pick in round two, I think that's a steal. That'd be so good. That'd if be we best. traded back and picked him up, I'd be fine with that because I think he's just a plug and play. Like, okay, here's your starting center for the next twelve years. All right. Other uh, uh, another interior guy like Damian Lewis out of LSU. Um, he tested the way that we like 33 inch arms on an interior guy, six two two uh, three twenty seven. Um, got and, 27 benches up, uh, got 29 or nine inch broad. Yep. Or nine foot, nine foot broad. He's nine got, inch is what, what I do. <laughs> that's, that's hey, what, that's what, uh, Trey Adams got was nine inch broad. Um, he wishes, uh, that he wished for a bigger nine inch broad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's there's a few interior guys, but Damian Lewis is the one who had the mix of tape plus quality that I think that we were looking for. 
Um, did you? Uh, okay, Kevin. Here's a player that jumped out to me at the combine, uh, but I but I I not really thought about him very much, and that's John Simpson, the Clemson guard. Um, the athletic profile was um, the athletic profile is ideal. The tape is okay. He didn't look good in pass pro when I from what not. I from what I pulled up. And then when you look at him in the one on ones in the Senior Bowl, it's ugly. He like hits people with so hard. Like his natural strength is insane. Yeah, it's like if we got him really really late as like just like the next beefy boy. What if like yeah round four you're into that? Uh, like round five? Yeah, I'm into that. Oh, round five. Okay. Round four? I don't know if I'm into that. All right. Uh, interior line, defensive lineman. They didn't, uh, like, nobody tested again, uh, or at least that I think that the Seahawks are going to target, but maybe like Raekwon Davis or um, James Lynch. Those are guys that I thought looked like they had kind of Seahawky profiles. Uh, do you, did you uh, did you notice anyone that you thought looked like uh, Seahawks interior or defensive tackle? Yeah, uh, there were a few guys I think that I, uh, based on testing, really jumped out at me. One of the guys I went back and watched the tape after they tested was uh, Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He's more of a five tech guy, uh, taking that nose spot in our or sorry, not five tech, uh, one tech, taking the nose tackle spot in our four three front. Um, yeah, he's like built like a one tech, but move, but like moves like a three tech. It's, I don't know, which I, is kind of the I, best of both worlds thing because like he stands a, up to the run like a what like a one tech too. I want. I felt like he's a tweener for the Seahawks. Like he doesn't fit what we want to do. Like he's not going to be able to. I don't think he's going to be quite able to occupy two guys like we want our one See, tech. On two. film, I saw and, him occupy two guys pretty frequently. Yeah, but I don't know. It just doesn't. I'm, I'm not convinced. How about that? All right. Well, uh, that makes one of us. I'm convinced. I like Devon Hamilton. I think he's a good fit for what we want to do. Um, he actually reminds me a little bit of Jared Reed uh, in his college tape in that I could see his pass rushing getting better over time, but he's immediately a guy who can handle the load that we want him to handle on the interior as a rotational one tech. Um, a guy who didn't test everything I want, but who popped out with some numbers I think are really interesting. Uh, Justin Matabike out of Texas A&M. Uh, had 33-inch arms, had a 4 31 reps on the bench, and his movement skills, uh, his timed shuttle, or his timed uh, three-cone, matches his, like, what I see on uh, tape. He had a 7-3-7 three-cone, which for an interior pass rusher is pretty darn good. Like, that's getting up towards elite interior pass rusher territory. That's another guy I wouldn't mind spending a second-round pick on. I think he'd come in and be a plus pass rushing three-tech. Um, all right, edge players, since this is, like, the last position. Or tight end. We have tight end, too, huh? Oh. Running back, possibly. Okay, fine. Let's just do them all. <laughs> edge players, uh, everyone who's been mocking you gross mottos to us, you were right. That's the guy who has the profile that the Seahawks look for. You yeah, three point two on the trench explosion formula. Even though, again, like all these guys are gonna test way off the charts on this. Because if you're an edge, you should test way off the charts yeah. on this. But like he has definitely fit the profile of like a speed, arm length, height, broad, vertical, like everything that you want him to do. He he does it. Um, what a couple I, guys who are on the fringe for arm length. But due to productivity and a lot of the rest of their numbers, uh, Curtis Weaver out of Boise State and uh, Bradley and I out of Utah are two guys who I am interested in for the Seahawks. And then uh, Jonathan Greener out of uh, Florida has 
like 35 inch arms can and you, his can you give me matches. one so i know you track this stuff can you give me one example of a guy with less than 33 inch arms that's an edge that the seahawks have drafted because like i just can't think of one and I, that's when an eye measures 32 and a half i'm like all right i just take them off my draft board when i'm doing mocks because there's just no way for me like i just never i just can't couldn't think of anyone they just always love these guys with the long arms and i don't know what <laughs> what it is it's like um it's like uh the hand size for quarterbacks how some guys are obsessed with that and um oh john elway's obsessed with quarterback height right <laughs> right i don't know why but i just can't i couldn't come up with it and for me like when a guy measures out with short arms like that i just i'm instantly like dang it because i really liked bradley and i like you kevin the productivity's there he actually did pretty good in the athletic testing other than the arms and so then I didn't. So now I feel like I have to disregard him. Is it? Is there an example of a guy that we've done, or is it? Uh, I mean, Cassius Marsh had thirty-two inch arms. Okay. Did we we drafted Cassius Marsh? We did. All uh, right. Fourth round. So so it it would have he'd have to fall basically. Uh, Bruce Irvin had thirty-three inch arms. Okay. That that yeah, but he was like a freak. That's a uh, so so he. So do you think Anai? If Anai falls, that's a guy that we could go for though, like in the fourth round. Then that's like the line probably. Uh, probably third. I think we could do a guy with shorter arms in the third round because we have that late third round pick, that comp pick. I guess it is. It is a compensatory, right? It's almost a fourth round pick. Or maybe they trade down because they're going to pick up more picks. That's a that's a very uh, Yeah, well, we're a lot stiffer on is the three-cone number. Okay. Like, we, like uh, the Seahawks really prioritize guys like uh, Frank Clark, 708 three-cone. Uh, yes. Cassius Marsh, 708 three-cone. Uh, Bruce Irvin, six seven three cone. Yeah, the Leo the Leo guys always have to run like a seven one or under, and then the the yeah, it's uh, the, the five the tech NFL guys. rule seven two is seven two. Okay, uh, like a seven two one is what you have to run. The five but, tech guys always run can run a little slower though. I we, I remember us drafting some five tech guys who were kind of seven threes. Yeah, though um, again, like Frank Clark was kind of a tweener. Like yeah, that's seven eight three run? cone, but he was kind of a five tech. A seven eight seven seven oh eight oh seven oh eight yeah so he ran under seven one also what yeah. did an what did an I run did uh, he run under seven one so Bradley and I had I a slower three cone which is I think the bigger hang up because oh let me go the the three cones were not very good he had a seven four four on the three cone yikes yeah. which is pretty yikes uh like Kenny uh, Kenny Willick he's had a seven three nine but Curtis Weaver had a seven zero. Yeah. And so I could see Curtis Weaver 32 and 3 8 arms, 7003 cone, 427 uh, shuttle. So his move numbers tell me that he's a guy who'd be on our board. And I could see, again, if we trade back into the early second or if he falls to our first, second round pick, I think he'd be a steal for us. You want a, a Leo guy that might be there pretty late that we could go for? Uh, the Stanford Casey Tuhill, Tuhill. Yeah, those athletic numbers are like very crazy good, very Seahawks Leo. Um, but his tape, his not tape so is good. bad, and his he didn't play good in the East West Shrine game either. So a guy I, with, I went and watched that to see, and it was like disappointing. So along the same lines would be DJ Wanham out of South Carolina, who just never did anything his whole college career. It's the Seahawks are willing to take chances on they they just like one of they go one of two ways with that right where they take the guy who has all the experience or they take the guy who never got a chance and they try to make him into a dude they do so, that both of those things so a, a dude that I think is interesting in that note is uh, Jonathan Garvin out of Miami he had thirty four inch arms 
Um, he's six four. Uh, he didn't run the three cone. And so I'm going to be watching his pro day numbers because he's a guy who's going to go in the mid rounds where if his three cone number is good, his profile is ideal for this team. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to go, we're going to go some listener questions, rapid fire. So, and then Eric, you can jump in on some of these if you feel Love like it. you're qualified. Here we go. Uh, what kind of combat events do you favor? So I think you can tell by now, uh, vertical leap, three cone drill. Uh, those are the ones that I think are, are the most enticing to me. Uh, broad jump also good one bench press can tell you something about a guy uh but uh those are the ones that i look at the most bench press to me is an endurance drill i don't care about that that much uh vertical and broad are really important to me i agree because that tells you how explosive a guy is in the legs and then three cone tells you there's just no upper those change of directions matter a there's lot. no upper body explosion dr- uh dr- like uh event that they nope. do so that maybe that, they do like bench, a clapping push-ups contest the bench is the one is what i've got kevin <laughs> how, how would you feel about that eric a clapping push-ups contest a clapping push-ups you know it would show swagger which i think is important for a football player all right what a uh, classic hockey move like eddie lacy or uh, Ziggy Ansa, could the Seahawks make this season that you think might be a bad move that could put the season kind of uh, in jeopardy? Oh, a bad oh, I was looking move. forward to a good move. Yeah, I was, I was ready those for are, this those are, said those bad are, move. Those are non-examples. So, so like, <laughs> a bad move? I don't know. We, we acquire someone like a Larry Fitzgerald, and he's very slow and fine. Okay, uh, Kevin, you got, a, you got a person that you think, like, might be a, a like a late uh, yeah we trade a first round pick for a, a player who's just past their prime so maybe uh so we do a sign and trade for aj green, green giving up our first round pick <laughs> and then he's just not fully healthy and not quite there all right you already i think there's lots of dts slash des on this market that are like Traps pot- potentially totally traps like uh, Dontari Poe. Yannick Ngakwe is the big trap. It just for the Seahawks. There's a there's plenty of teams that he could go to that he'd be awesome. But for us, he's like not a great fit. He's a Leo um, that would probably not be able to play much on first downs, or they could just run right at him. Um, he's a good. He'd be good on second and third downs. He's a great pass rusher, but he'd be very expensive. More expensive than I think Clowney will be. Even uh, I just think it's a huge trap. Uh, let's talk about that really quick. People have been asking us about Clowney. Um, the rumor is the Seahawks won't go above 18 to 20. I think that's a good good range for him. The top end of that range, 20 million, is about as high as I would like to go. And if he went for 20, I'd be cool with that. He's going to get 23. Yeah. The thing is, the Colts are going to come in and say, hey, do you want $24 million a year? And he's going to go, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> and then and He's going to go, yeah. I really like the culture of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm really uh, I'm excited to play with Andrew Luck, and then they're gonna say he's not here. For twenty one, great state of Miami. For twenty one million, though, you can get like Everson Griffin, and you can get uh, like Robert Quinn, and then which the Seahawks need to do. One guy is not gonna solve this problem. That's the big thing is when our pass rush was great, it's because we had a rotation. We were complaining for a long time about how uh, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill were being overused and they became less effective as time went on because our rotation got thinner. And you can scheme pass rush a little bit where if you sign a bunch of guys who have any talent and you work and you work and you have a creative def- uh, defensive coordinator, which we don't, but maybe you know Ken Norton Jr. gets a kick in the pants this offseason. season. The, really maybe good he's assistant. just waiting on the talent. The 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 defensive end defense tackle situation. You can scheme a pass rush if you have 
any talent at all. They don't have to be great. They could just be good. Look at Washington. Washington hasn't had like a A plus pass rusher for many years, but every year they have three guys who get eight to ten sacks. And it's like, and we talk about this every offseason. Kevin's like, I watch these guys and I don't think any of them that good. And then I'm like, yeah, but look at they all have eight sacks. And Kevin's like, yeah, I guess <laughs> it happens. We have the same conversation every year about Washington, and it's like you can scheme guys into situations, right? You can make make things happen. So I'm I'm uh, I'm optimistic that we can still be fine even if we don't go out and get uh, the Jadavian Clowney. Um, oh, can I put something you... else to bed with that? Go. Signing Bruce Irvin is not a huge impact move. No, but I mean, it's, if it's... If it's for low money at the end... If it's, and Irvin, it's... Irvin Quinn and someone else, or Irvin Quinn and Griffin, you know, then that's great. That's, that's awesome. Fine. And then draft a guy? Sure. Yeah, and then and Irvin allows you some defensive flexibility, too, where you can say, hey, you can play some... You know, some he's a situational pass rusher on third downs. That's basically all he is. And then you you might want to use him a little in coverage just to disguise your defense, but you don't want to overuse that because then you'll get killed. Okay, Um, uh, Kevin, who's your biggest draft crush crush right now? Oh man, all of them. No, give me one though. Uh, Who's one guy who you like are watching his tape and you just you just like um, you can't stop Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, my. My draft crush right now is uh, Grant Delpit. And I had to go back, you know, and not watch the year before last year's tape because that's the best tape for him. But, man, that guy, I would just lose my mind if we got him. Because I'll say the other guy, Curtis Weaver, has gone up that because I didn't think he was going to hit the athleticism minimums for what we want. That 7.003 code. Ooh, boy. I, I, I love me some Curtis Weaver tape. I Okay, and another thing, too, is um the, the thing is – Jeff Okuda, I love him. I know we have no chance to get oh, yeah, him. I'm only listing people that we have a shot at. Because um, otherwise, like, yeah. Jeff Okuda, though, when they asked, the guy asked him, like, hey, you know, what about your sloppy play? And he was like, what sloppy play are you talking about? <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, like, penalties and stuff. And he's like, I had zero penalties last year. Zero holdings, zero pass interference. So I don't really know what you're talking about. And the guy was like, uh. No, uh. the best part was his his <laughs> final comment was, so you might want to go back and recut that tape. Oh man, it was so good. I was, I was like, yes, <laughs> little please swagger. beat, kill this guy. Just send him into the sun. Um, I have a, I have like a preemptive draft crush too. On Bill the, Belichick couldn't draft him, but he adopted him during that interview. Lavisca Chenault. <laughs> I know his athletic testing was bad. People are saying he was hurt. He'll run better. At yeah, he's having day. surgery. Um, so he's not going to run on pro day. He had, he's having surgery. Oh, he's having surgery. So I, if he falls because of those bad numbers, that is a guy times. I would love to have. I just think he's really great. Um, and he'll do better than that. Uh, okay. Another question we got, uh, someone asked, um, confidence in Trey flowers right now. What's your confidence on Trey flowers, Eric? Uh, give me, of, give me a scale. Like uh, one, five to a, one to a hundred, hundred being like rock solid Richard Sherman at his prime one, being who's like a terrible uh, Kelly Jennings. Kelly Jennings. There, one is Kelly Jennings. Uh, fifty-four. At the end. I'm giving it a fifty-four. I think that was his right PFF in the middle rating. of the road. Okay, right Kevin. Kevin, Kevin where are you at? I'm gonna go with his PFF coverage grade, which I think was a forty-seven. Yeah, That's my confidence level. I'm like fifty-fifty, and I really want them to bring in someone to push, uh, push him. Fifty-fifty. So either you are or you aren't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like whether that's you know digs in the draft, whether that's uh, a cornerback in free agency, uh, a trade, that tra- training someone to push him because right now, I think his career could go either way. Now, hey, can we talk about that AJ Bouye trade that was uh, a fourth rounder? Sure, that would have been a. I think that would have been a I, fourth, a low fourth. I, so they gave up a high fourth. So we would have had to probably give up our third compensatory, which is a which little, we don't have yet, which is a little steep. 
they, they can't make the, they can't finish the trade till we would have it anyway. Do you think that this maybe the league helps, year hasn't started yet? Helps us go yeah. for Darius Slay. If that sets the price for Darius Slay, that's interesting to me. That's that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, if it, if it if all it takes is that end of third round pick and a new contract to get Darius Slay, and Darius Slay is okay with only having like one and a half years of guaranteed money in his deal because that's what the Seahawks like to do to have one to two years of guaranteed money in this deal. I'm into it. Like, that's fine. That's a good trade for us. I think it's uh, you bring in a guy who already has a familiarity with other members of our secondary, a guy who would be a really good scheme fit um, on a pretty good contract. Yeah, that's fine. I'm into it. The The downside, of course, is that um, you don't want to give up too much guaranteed money and you don't want to give up like a first rounder, which is what the Seahawks no, of love not. to do. To give up, they give our first round pick and be like, our first round pick this year was was uh, Darius Slay. It's like, yeah, cool, man, but you really cool. Your first round pick is old and costs a bunch of money. Yeah, as I say, you really need these guys to be cheap. That's the best thing about first round picks is they only make like five million dollars a year. Like legitimately, that's why we have a slump right now. The reason why we kind of fell off the Super Bowl trajectory for a minute was because we traded away several early picks and, and then missed on a few. And two of our best players got injured and we had to pay them like $20 million last year to, to do nothing, which I love Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor. Thank you for your service. But that was brutal. I, but it, it really made it hard for hard for us to win. Um, last question. Interior line or, or tackle? If we're going to improve one, which one do you think is, is better to put, put a bunch of resources in? Tackle. Tackle because they're harder to find. While I would, say, I feel like the interior of our line is we could we could assemble a decent interior of the line. I agree. As is, I feel like we do not have an on roster option to get tackle taken care of. While I would say that interior offensive line is probably the one that would be um, more ready to be good on Seahawks, I do not really love the options at tackle outside of Conklin, who is going to be way too expensive. And I think that you, if you're going to sign free agents. The interior offensive line and free agents are very in- intriguing to oh, me. Oh, I thought you meant total assets, so including draft. If I think you have to draft tackle, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not into like if we're it. only if we're only addressing some, if one of those position sets, then we need to address tackle. Like that's not a choice. Yeah. So, but I just don't like I don't like the free agents for for tackle. I, I think it's guys who will only play left tackle, which is not going to work for us. We're set at left tackle. Guys who will. Um, or guys who just aren't that good. I wouldn't mind taking like a, a Vi- Daryl Williams or Vitae, Vitae or something. Vitae's my dude. Uh, so like after compensatory picks are locked, pick them up and pick one of those guys up in late stage free agency as a swing tackle option, just to make sure that we aren't like just to make sure there's somebody to run with the rookie in case they need a minute. Okay, um, that's uh, that's basically it. So there you go. There's a. A bunch of that was just kind of like a fifty minutes of combine vomit and questions right there. I hope you liked it. It was um, something. <laughs> uh, if you want to support the CX Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. But the best way, head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, and for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, you could join our Patreon team. We are now up to like almost forty Patreons. It's really cool. It's like that. Bit. So thank you, Treppy. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, the February new groups and uh, all the people who are supporting us. I got to go to the Patreon pledge manager here. Give me one sec to read the people who I said I would read in every one. This is. Uh, so those of you who here. have ever navigated Patreon. Timothy, uh, they Jack, James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Nick, Frank, Bob, Richard, Karen, 
Matt. Mike, sorry, Mike, I Brad. I how enthusiastic Flocked you are Keith, Michelle, this. Brian. Okay, come on, man. It, I, I, this is, page is confusing. I'm mad at the, I'm mad at Patreon. You know what? Here's the thing. If Patreon didn't make it so convenient, I would, uh, th- this, this part's not good, but the, the, the other parts are good. And in the pinned post on Patreon now, there is a link to the Seahawks Nest, uh, Seahawks Nest Discord. So now we are no longer in a, in a group chat messenger kind of situation. It's a Discord now. Uh, we got already 22 of the Patreons on there. We got, we're chatting it up, uh, taking your questions, talking about stuff, posting uh, memes, uh, movie talk about su- the end of the world, movie club suggestions. Uh, we talked about the end of the world. Oh yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, I was about to say I was tr- I was giving us the transition into the movie. Hey, you want to hear some Chase Clay? Here, Chase Claypool thing, Kevin. You ready? Ninety eighth percentile for weight. Okay, and then. <laughs> For wide receivers, 83rd percentile for 40-yard dash, 93rd for vertical jump, 83rd for broad jump, while being 98th percentile for weight. Second percentile for quarterback play. That is that is so crazy, dude. That is like, I don't even know what to do with that Plus, he bulked up so that he could claim tight end. Right, and then he And then, and he then went, just he, like outran the tight end rumor. Yeah, he, he, was like, he was like, hey guys, check it out. I can be big enough to be a tight end, but... I'm still going to run a 4-4-2. And everyone was like, hey, this guy's the next Devin Funches. Devin Funches ran a 4-7. Like, Devin Funches is slow compared to Chase Claypool. If this guy's Devin Funches but 0.3 seconds faster in the 40, that is significant. Yes. This, that is, uh, that is, that's like, and Devin Funches is a guy who right now, if you were like, hey, you want Devin Funches to be the ne- the outside guy on the Seahawks? I'd be like, sure, yeah, that's a good number three wide receiver. I'm into that. Like, that's fine. That- Do you want Devin Funches? Devin Funches- if he was 0.3 seconds faster to be our outside receiver? Yes, I do. Chase Claypool. I'm into it. Like, maybe that's my draft rush. Maybe, maybe I spoke too soon. I think it is. That's why I was trying to uh, get out of you. De- De- I'm, a big, I'm a big fan. He, it's just crazy how well he tested. It's also just crazy how Notre Dame can't get a quarterback. All right, now that I derailed the money zone, let me get back on track. If you don't have any money, <laughs> if you're broke like a joke, and you want to um, get give us a thing, give us a review on iTunes. Uh, the thing is... Uh, yeah. Give us a review on iTunes. We'll try our best. Uh, that's it. And, uh, movie zone. All right. Uh, this is. Oh, yeah. I remember what we're doing now. Movie zone. I was this... wondering where you were. Movie zone this week. I gave you a transition earlier, man. My Hero Academia came out. It's an anime movie, so we all picked an anime movie that we really love. Eric, what's your anime movie you really love? Uh, I gotta go with the classic, the one that kicked it off that really got me uh, excited for anime and it was a mainstream crossover success. Heavy metal. Akira. <laughs> no, not the uh, <laughs> not the booby movie. <laughs> Heavy metal, it's I can go into that movie another day. But yeah, Akira, it's uh, Eric watched that movie scrambled on channel seventy two <laughs> so many times. No, no, no. We had a free Cinemax preview or Skinemax. Um animated Skinemax. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, Akira was good. It's it's kind of odd. Nathan posted a a meme in the uh, in the Discord that was oh Akira's a, a little like a, a little too odd. It, yeah, it's a documentary. It's now. like they're trying to cancel the Olympics in that. They're trying to cancel the Olympics in real life. Olympics in Tokyo, by the way. Yeah, it's crazy. In, in the year twenty twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a little too odd. Congratulations. Yeah, the, we've been saying for years we're in a dystopian future. It turns out, 
I think it was Josh brought up a good question. He said, do you guys like uh, subtitles or are you um, dubbing? And when it comes to anime... Team subs, right here. Uh, see, now when it's anime, I want dubs. Uh, I don't because, like, a lot of times the uh, dub the voice actor is just not that great. Yeah, but I just like what's with the animation, man. It's, it's a journey. Plus, the voice for Akira, I'm pretty sure, was Leonardo in the uh, Turtles cartoon. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it tubular. Was, uh, oh wait, is that something he said? That's, no, that was Raphael, and Leo was the uh, the mature one. Nathan, he was like he was like the me. No, isn't Raphael the mature one? But he's like no, a, he's, he's the he's Edgelord. crude. He's <laughs> no, Raphael's a dick. I'm just trying to <laughs> just trying to make you guys mad. Uh, uh, that cartoon, me. that cartoon like didn't really hold up. Just so you know, I watched it recently. I, I was like, wait, eh. what didn't that cartoon? Yeah, how'd you watch it? Uh, I, YouTube. Wow. Okay. Your fair. opinion of that cartoon didn't hold up. Don't be a hater. Don't That's hate the, what I'm saying. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Uh, <laughs> you are the game. Yeah, that movie's still pretty adult and still pretty deep. It's a movie you have to... I don't think you can have it on casually in the background. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of plot. I uh, watched it last summer, in fact. They've been uh, talking about remakes. Yeah, uh, they can keep Taika talking YTT about it. Isn't involved in that? Yes. I, at one point, Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, attached to play Kaneda. Oh, the other Leo. Leo. <laughs> from leo to leo only right. on the hawk's nest i'll go second um because kevin's going to talk about a recent movie i think yep. so then that he probably has the most information i'm going to do 2001's uh, metropolis it's like it's a dope movie it's like loosely based on like the 1927 german silent film metropolis but not really it's there's like not it's a that spiritual movie. successor right it's it's about the relationships between between like robots and humans it's really cool uh, I really like the portrayal of like the robots in this as like the thing I like about this robot. This robot. Thank you. This movie is that um, it's like the it's like what does it mean to be human? It's that it's a good question. And uh, the Tima character, the robot, she's uh, you know it's like can she learn to to care about people or like and who is she? And I don't know. It's like it's like a cool take on that whole thing. Plus the animation's really good. It looks really great, and uh, you know it made a it had a one billion yen budget. But that doesn't. That's only. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's a lot it's of only, yen. It's only fifty million dollars, so it's not that not that much. One it's thing not I like a lot of yen. Okay, there it has a blue soundtrack. Okay, a great visual blue soundtrack. It's it's like right in my wheelhouse. You know, it's also a movie. It's very. It's uh, has a lot of ambiance to it. Like the uh, way it's shot and everything, like it's not—I guess—it's not lighting, so shading. Ebert, Ebert said it was one of the best animated films he'd ever seen. So, if you don't trust Ebert, who do you trust? Not with Ebert. Movie reviews, not Ebert. He's you, fine. He yeah. went four out of four. Well, you trust him in this situation, I guess. Oh, another thing too is it has like a a sub theme of like workers' rights because like the people are all mad the robots are taking their gerbs, and uh, they yell at the robots a lot, and then it's like. You know, but is it their fault? Like, should we take care of these people that are no longer able to work because of automation? Great question for our 2020 times, to be Hashtag honest with Yang you. Yang. Because, you know, I think those are the same questions Andrew Yang was trying to ask when he entered the presidency. And it's, I think it's something that even if you don't agree with Andrew Yang, you should probably think about. It's like, how does our society as a whole decide to handle automation? And this movie could give you like a good insight into into what you maybe think about that. I'm just saying we here at the Seahawks Nest support a Star Trek future and we keep getting pulled further and further into Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. That's where no we're not heading into Blade Runner, dude. What's worse than that? We're heading into like Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> what, what which 
we're heading royale. into running we're, we're into battle royale where's district 13 isn't it like georgia or something that's gonna get blown up uh, district b13 that's in france oh yeah that was a good movie lots of parkour kevin what's your movie all right so my movie i was gonna do your name because that's probably my favorite animated movie that is not so in case you hadn't guessed already uh we're uh ducking studio ghibli movies because we've talked about all of them so uh, I want to talk about a Makoto Shinkei movie. Your name is the one that people know about, but I talked that up when we were doing our movie lists. So instead, I'm going to talk about his newest movie. It was a 2019 release uh, called Weathering With You. And this is a, like, all of his movies explore, I guess, uh, love under different conditions. And Weathering With You is... Um, I guess it's basically a uh, uh, a rom com animation movie about uh, two kind of high school aged uh, two two youths who are trying to navigate the difficulties in life when the decks kind of stacked against them, and it's the story of kind of being willing to reach out for help and being willing to trust somebody else and. The big thing with this one, the animation is gorgeous. It's beautiful animation. The weather, the movement, everything like that. It's really cool looking. Um, the sound in the movie is really cool. It has a lot of natural moments with rain. Weather is obviously kind of a key trend in the movie. And the way that they use the weather is very cool. So you have, like, again, you have the audio and the visual elements that are impressive and then you have a story that is not as good as your name but is still quite good and carries you through everything like there's moments that are uh funny there's moments that are touching overall it's a really well-crafted story and it puts two really good movies in a row from Makoto Shinkei so if you haven't seen your name see your name and then check out Weathering with you and you're kind of caught up okay. to one of the people that's a, kind of on the front line of modern animation. I have a question for you. I didn't see the movie, okay? Okay. But I was in a group chat where someone was talking about it. And he said he felt like the central message at the end of the movie was, we're all going to die from, from from global warming or from climate change. And it's okay because we did it to ourselves. Do you, you feel like that's true? Like it's like we, we, we seized our own destiny and did it to ourselves. Like that's what... He felt like the primary message of the movie was. Did you? Do you think that's if like? If you feel like that's the primary message of the movie, I question how you watched it. Okay, I just think I thought it was really funny. Like it's like a funny way to put it, and that, I I don't know anything about the movie. That's a very odd way to put it. Okay. Uh, no, I think that the movie was definitely more about the interpersonal. Oh, okay. Uh, and the message was something else. All right, so that's uh, there you go. If you have a favorite anime movie, put it in the. Uh, in the movie club channel in the discord uh throw it in there uh we'll talk about it we'll tell you how we feel about all of them if you're not able to do that then you should hop in our discord yeah for a dollar 24 a month dollar 24 um and thank you uh Pejinor, for the itunes review i'm closing with this uh we'll try very hard not to swear uh um i i slap eric really hard in the back of the head every time he swears even though it's actually me usually <laughs> yeah the tides have turned <laughs> Oh, how the turns have tabled, Eric. Oh, how the turns have tabled. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Excavator.